0: was hiring a branding agency, and uh, over that period of time, um, explaining what the, uh, I guess, uh, really starting from from very scratch, like where do we come from, where we're heading, uh, what are the values that we're trying to embody, what really united the four uh, chains uh, to come together to start working on this software stack. Um, and, you know, we, we went to, for anybody who's gone through a uh, branding exercise, it was, it's quite in depth in terms of, of questionnaires that you're filling out um, you know, meetings that you're attending, you're answering very specific questions. You're talking about the the product itself. You're talking about the values. You're talking about the people you're talking about the, the code itself and what it, it aims to do. You're talking about the roadmap um, you're talking about where you come from. Um, and then basically uh, you know, through that process starts emerging over, over, I would say I don't know how many hours, but well over a hundred hours, starts emerging themes and starts emerging trends and patterns in terms of what you're trying to embody within your brand and what you're trying to move away from for your brand, because this this rebrand was definitely trying to move away from the the old brand, right? And um what came about from that are a series of other uh names as well. So I I believe the first original short list had something like to eight to twelve different names. Um and in parallel to this. So you're doing kind of the name, the naming, but in parallel to this, you're also doing the brand messaging and the values that you're trying to represent and you're, you know, you're, you're refining those. And then you're also doing the visual representations of, so even before you have your name, you're maybe starting to look at different themes of. Um, color palettes of uh, what you're trying to invoke with the, the visual identity. You're looking at different fonts. You're looking at different styles of artwork or different styles of, of visual representations. And all of this really comes together uh, until ultimately we got, let's say, two different um, iterations. So one more on the messaging and one more on the visuals. And then you start blending those together. Um, so where there are potential overlaps. So, ah, so I like this visual direction and I kind of like this type of naming scheme. And then you're looking at the names uh, from multiple viewpoints as well. So it's more than just the name and avoid. It's looking at, well, can you actually secure trademarks? Can you secure domains? Uh, is it is the SEO going to be somewhat difficult or will it be favorable to be able to, to choose that particular name? What will that name invoke? Where does that name come from? Are there any others in the space that potentially have a similar name or similar visuals that you might be competing against? Yeah. Or are you carving your own niche? Um, the name that you have, what are its inherent um, representations or what does it invoke inherently when you hear the word? And then what you're trying to create, then what is missing from that and how would you come and complement that? Um, So it's obvious that when you think of an antelope, you don't think of blockchain or you don't think of technology. And so on the messaging side is then where you reinforce that side of things. But what does what antelope does evoke, and we're already starting to see it in the channels, it's this idea of speed, of agility, of moving as a herd, of strength in numbers, uh, of being very, um, uh, what would be the term, Uh, resilient as well as a species. So there's all these... um, inherent properties, I guess, to the antelope that come into play that kind of start helping that. You also then start thinking of uh, something simple. Like right now we released Leap 3.1, the version, or I guess the C++ implementation of EOS. Um, But in the future, when we'll have different releases, do we potentially have a long list of names that we could choose from? So are we kind of pigeonholing ourselves within a particular name? And and we had, like I said, eight to 12 names at first that got weeded out to four and then ultimately to antelope um, as the coalition. So all this process is also happening in a decentralized fashion with four different uh, communities or four different members at the table that all come from different ways, reaching consensus on this one thing. Are you also pigeonholing yourself, where in the future you might kind of run out of release names or whatnot? So that comes into that comes into play, and that's really just kind of the, on the naming side of things, on the visual side of things. What are you trying to invoke there? What maybe is lacking in the brand word that you'd like to complement in the logo or in the, um, in, or even even looking at the logo, what, what does that invoke? And so that particular logo has multiple things that it's. Um, that, that it's aiming to represent. Uh, one of them being kind of like two chains together. So th- they're two interlocking horns. And so it's kind of this idea of chains coming together, working on something. They also represent the chain, just like blockchain, very literally. Um, they're open because some of the values that we're trying to represent are a sense of openness, a sense of, um, and as the coalition, you know, a sense of openness, of transparency, of being accommodating um there's also a sense of movement, so these two chains interlock, and when you look at them, they do kind of show a going forward, and then going back to the name as well, going forward, the motto or the you know the leap so leap forward, leap ahead, this concept of of getting away with the past, moving into the future i'm I'm trying to condense down essentially more than a hundred hours worth of um back and forth between multiple entities and the branding agencies that ultimately led to this um, and this is what we've been really excited to share uh, with you know the communities our various the four respective communities over uh, you know the the course of let's say two months or so that that name was changed but then securing the assets making sure the trademarks were okay making sure that the visuals were on par basically kind of getting everything in line together uh, leading to this uh, has been a lot of work and and we're really really excited about it
1: Absolutely. I guess everybody is excited about this. Um, so it's not just uh, Antelope, the the protocol that's renamed. Also, the next upgrade, it will be not Mandel, it will be Leap, right?
0: Correct. So Mandel, the only iteration of Mandel, I guess, uh, in the record will be Mandel 3.0. Um, but the, the first implementation of Antelope, or I guess the release of Antelope, uh, which currently today is going to be released as release candidate four, which is most likely will be um, final release, or basically final version, Um, that will be Leap 3.1. And so Leap is born, Uh, Antelope is the new protocol, Leap is the C++ implementation of um, EOS, essentially, or what what was formerly known as, as EOS, so Leap is the implementation of Antelope. Um and so yes, that's the, the first release name. So no more Mendel.
2: Yeah, and Arig, if you're able to kind of comment on the reason for leap, um this is actually much better um naming conventions than what we previously had, because what we previously had was EOSIO as the protocol and EOSIO as the C or yeah, EOSIO is the C implementation whereas now leap which is leap 3.1 the version at the c++ iteration of uh, of antelope um it's it's essentially equivalent to geth on ethereum which is go ethereum so it's the go version of ethereum it's not the only version of ethereum there's also cpp ethereum uh, and and several other uh, versions so this is essentially future proofing um the the naming because uh, as we know historically EOSIO had terrible naming conventions we're trying to improve upon that because maybe one day there will be a rust implementation of e- Eos for example or, or Antelope I should say or a go version uh, so this will allow it to have um, I guess less confusion because if if we stuck to what we we had before where both were called EOS IO, then when you have two people having a conversation and EOS IO is mentioned, you don't really know if they're referring to the protocol or to that particular uh, version of the client. Or the, the coin, coin, or the network, yeah. or, 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 yeah. or, or. Yeah. Yeah. So if I missed anything, Oregon, you want to kind of help out because I'm definitely no, you,
3: I as... mean, you covered it. Uh, the analogy to Ethereum, I think, works well. Um, so you have Ethereum, the protocol, and then you have implementations of, like, implementations of it like Geth or Parity. So similarly, we have now Antelope, the protocol, and we have currently one implementation of it, which is Leap. And yeah, hope maybe in the future we'll have more, uh, you know, there's no plan for that now, but uh, the point is I think this uh, leads the way towards hopefully getting a little bit more um, rigorous with the protocol, maybe um, kind of des- describing that and then allowing for a process, I hope in the future where we uh, capture improvements to the protocol first to Antelope and then, um, you know, and then we follow that and actually implement it in Leap and uh there's going to be you know some process involved with introducing changes to the protocol
2: yeah and and to ease into the new names because it, it really made a lot of noise with antelope today but leap may come as a surprise to especially non-developers um so we'll we'll use a naming convention like antelope leap 3.1 leading up to the consensus upgrade on September 21st just to avoid confusion until Leap is more well known, but we're just kind of giving you guys a heads up because you guys are the community leaders, the people on this call. So, um, also like the support guys, like everyone kind of needs to help out uh, with making sure that uh, the community is on point on, on the new naming and, and what everything means, and any hour of the day to to help avoid uh, confusion within the Discord or the Telegram channels. So that's kind of why I wanted to uh, bring this up. And I would be remiss if I didn't give credit to the marketing genius who came up with Leap, and that would be Matt Witherspoon, uh, one of the ENF engineers. <laughs> we, we, we debated it, uh, uh, over this name for o- over an hour on a call uh, because it was one of the final pieces to the Antelope uh, rebrand that I, I guess was missed until uh, a bit closer to launch than we would have liked. And after an hour of debate, like we're talking like our new CMO, me, Eve, everyone who you'd expect to be these excellent marketers or communicators. And then Matt, out of nowhere, he says nothing on the entire call. The last five minutes of the call, how about leap? And it it was so simple and so genius that it, it stuck. And we reached consensus very quick within the ENF. We passed it on to the coalition, reached consensus consensus very quick with the coalition. And that's how Leap was born. Yeah, congrats.
1: (laughs) Absolute congrats on this one. It's pretty genius. Matt is like, yeah, real lightning lightning, uh, idea there. Uh, For me, it clicked right away when I saw the branding today on uh, uh, antelope.io. and read through the press release, like i, I really liked everything that I saw um, really good job on 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 the marketing on the branding, and also great job on on to everybody in the coalition i saw I saw all these uh, the calls and the back and forth and how you guys make decision and reach consensus It's really like I applaud you guys such a great job. You must be so happy that this is finally out
4: and-
2: uh, it was very important to get it out. Yeah, um,
5: baby. Yeah.
2: It was very important to get it out um, now, today specifically, to allow uh, more than four weeks leading up to um, the consensus upgrade on the 21st of September. And the reason is because you only really get one opportunity to make a big splash. And knowing that Mandel wasn't going to be a permanent name, it's always just been kind of a code name. Um, we, we, made the decision to move really quick on this um, to get Antelope out there. That way, leading up to the consensus upgrade, when when we get the media support talking about this, we're already starting to see it today um, with with the hard hard fork slash consensus upgrade, as we've been calling it. And it it just made so much sense to get the name out as soon as possible uh, leading up to the consensus upgrade. That way, we could put Mandel to bed and move forward with Antelope. And as we're making a lot of noise and amplifying our our, our narratives leading up to the consensus upgrade on September 21st, uh, Antelope will be front and center to that.
1: Yes, congrats on getting this out on time. Uh, It It seems- It actually
2: came out three hours ahead of time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Without going into detail. You can't keep the Antelope in its cage, man. It wants to go out and run. Ain't that the truth.
2: You Uh, should go into
1: details.
2: (laughs) So last night I made a uh, tweet saying 15 and a half hours because it was meant to be uh, launched at noon Eastern today because just gave us this morning to go through a final checklist, get the new GitHub repos up, get um, everything on point for a a strategic launch. But um, there was some miscommunication with um, the embargo time Uh, which is basically whenever you share news with medias ahead of time to make it so that they're aware of the news, they could write their news coverage about that news, but they will not publish their news until after the embargo time. That's typically how these things work, and there was a miscommunication on the timing. So we're all kind of getting our day started, and all of a sudden... Um, all of these different medias, Coindesk Coin and a few other, Cointelegraph mentioned the name. And we're just like, oh, no, what happened? Uh, so as soon as the news kind of got out there, we had to kind of scramble to get the website up because we planned on, there was just a gif of an antelope because we didn't want to give everything away uh, until launch. So we were fully prepared to launch it at noon today, Eastern. Um So whenever everything went live around 9 a.m., three hours early, we just had to make some last-minute adjustments. We had to push to GitHub Live. We had to um, get all of our messaging. We had our messaging all ready to go. DNS on the website, (laughs) blog (laughs) posting.
0: Basically, everything was good, but we needed to push the button earlier.
2: Yeah, and the fact that most of you probably didn't even notice is great because it was... It was uh, a bit of a scramble today, but it was fun. Got it, got our adrenaline going. And um, I, I I guess I should be plugging the Twitter Spaces event tomorrow too and the new Twitter account. Um, so Twitter, uh, the, the handle is antelope.io. I believe every antelope account is antelope.io. We squatted them a, a month or two ago to make sure that they didn't get picked up. Um, but like the new GitHub is antelope.io. Any... any third-party site or publisher for any service will be Antelope IO. We're sitting on all of them, even if we haven't officially rolled them out yet. But there will be a uh, Twitter Spaces event tomorrow uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern uh, on the Antelope IO Twitter account. Um, confirmed is even Doug Horn from Talos, but we'll probably have... Geom uh, will probably be there from UX Network. I'll be there. We'll have more people there. But... Um, Their their pretty faces are on the the poster, but it'll be a good time. We'll probably go into a lot more detail about how we got here and everyone's excitement for Antelope, and we'll get multiple perspectives from all of the other chains rather than just from the NF side. Um, So follow that
1: account. Yes, yes. Uh, Lovejoy and uh, Walter, who shared all the links that you just mentioned already in the voice chat everybody that don't know where this is, it's at the top right corner of uh, the voice channel. Just click on it and you can join the conversation uh, in type form. And you find all the links to Antelope Twitter and the Twitter spaces tomorrow.
2: So they're all on the website too. So antelope.io obviously is the easiest way to find all of the links, but come to the spaces tomorrow. It'll be a great
6: time. Awesome. Awesome work guys. I know this is probably not like, it's probably still understated, but uh, just huge shout out to the ENF and and you guys for this efforts. I The rebranding looks amazing and super pumped and yeah, I, I just think it's always good to, uh, to share the appreciation to you guys. Cause yeah, what you guys are doing is awesome. And this just gets me super pumped.
2: Thank you. Um, it, it's huge. We, with the way the ENF was formed and the reason why it was formed because of of the lack of any type of stewards to the network and then the, the breakup and we started this, we didn't even own the rights to our own name. Like that, that was the heart of it was we're, we, we were derived out of a decentralized community. Uh, We, we stepped up, we we coordinated the network. We've been moving forward over the last almost one year. So, we The ENF officially got uh, approved for funding from the network on August 25th, 2021. So to get this rebrand out, a full rebrand and uh, our, our fourth release candidate, which we're very close to getting the final release candidate out, it might even be out before the one-year anniversary. Just looking back at everything that's been accomplished in one year and now to really complete the break of the and, and the start of the new EOS, is just incredible, and, and the the final final break will be on December or on September twenty first, when every single node on the EOS network upgrades to Antelope three point one, and at that point the the break will absolutely be complete. But right now we're about ninety nine ninety eight percent there, and the final step is the entire network upgrading their code to the ENF uh, or the Antelope repo, I guess I should say at this point. Uh, from the the block one owned repo, which was archived to read only uh, about two weeks ago, so this this is huge.
7: Hey, Daniel here. Question for for you guys: Ian, F, Zach, Eve, um, how nervous were you guys leading up to this? You know about the reception of this new brand uh, by the community, and now that it's out, and we're seeing the reaction from the community. You know, how are you? How do you feel about the reception it's getting so far?
0: Like, um, answer, yeah. <laughs> Not nervous at all. We've yeah. been, I mean, this name has been, um, through the coalition anyways, has been public or has been essentially d- decided months ago at this stage. So on the fireside chat, I believe maybe two months ago, we said we were ready to launch. And, and we were. The name was chosen. But due to the market conditions, we've decided we decided to withhold to have the website up, to have all of Git Corp ported, to have you know, all of the branding, visual assets, messaging, everything, so that it would be a more comprehensive, uh, holistic launch instead of just the name as a standalone. I would say that months ago, I was probably more nervous about it. And now, not at all. And the reception has been overwhelmingly positive uh, from my point of view. I mean, the things that we talked about of why we liked Antelope um people are now starting to see that as well. So I read the chats and the, the parallels that they're making to some of the things I mentioned earlier, we're not prompting them to do that the community is doing that on its own. Um, and so I think it's really a testament to that name. To the process, to you know, the branding agency, to the uh, countless individuals that participated in this, because when you look at the four different chains, each chain has a multiple representatives. This was kind of the worst kept secret in town. Um, I mean, keeping something hidden uh, for months within one small organization is is quite difficult. Keeping it hidden between multiple organizations that have multiple organizations within those organizations, everybody who then needs to give their say and, you know, in a way approval and or their, their feedback and stuff. I don't know how many people knew of this, but it's well over 100. And somehow it didn't get leaked. I mean, that's what I'm really, really uh, surprised and, and, and happy about. This is pretty awesome
2: yeah I was surprised it didn't get leaked at least publicly. I think it leaked a little bit in dms and things like that. I had a few people reach out to me over the last few weeks. Is it really antelope and so I wasn't really nervous, but I did uh, think back to the the Telos rebrand when they rebranded to the purple Circle and the reactions of the community. And I was confident it wasn't going to be like that but i I did have it in the back of my mind of I hope everyone likes it, but I knew I really liked it we've we went even after the branding was almost complete, we went through a few small tweaks that really um, solidified, the, the, I guess, the look of it and the, the typeface of it. So I, I was pretty confident in it after that process, but there's always, I guess, a little bit of doubt. And so far, the only negative things I saw was a p- few people saying that lions eat antelopes. And I, Brandon was quick to point out that antelopes can kill lions, and we shared A video and a gif in the um eos telegram but i thought the reception was amazing i i love the colors i love the typeface i love the the icon the symbol so i'm glad everyone else uh, appreciated it and seems to like it as well
6: yeah i think the name it's and it's funny it goes back to also like with eos and the the uh, the chestahedron like it, these names they've they've come and there but there's been a lot of thought and meaning that's like went into the naming and it just the way it it just works out like kind of nature of like everything just the naming like the, the way the community is accepting it uh, like and even just the way things are just like sprouted to my my mind as soon as like you guys start talking about leap and it's like wow leap of faith into trust evm because i mean if you do a a quick google search of like what leap of faith like how you can kind of interpret it like basically I'm just gonna read it right here. It says, it says a leap of faith means taking action despite having no idea how it'll turn out. You take action and hope that things will turn out the way you wanted them to. And I think, you know, this speaks a lot for like the EOS community and the support for the ENF. The ENF has shown through action to really help build this community within EOS. And so we're behind you guys and we're willing to take this leap of faith and, and, by the upgrade of this, you know, this enables a trusty VM. And so there, I think there's like marketing, branding things that can go with that. And that's just like natural thoughts that came to mind first reaction. And it's, it's just cool to see how, like when deep thoughts go into the naming and rebranding, it's just like, it's working and it's, it's awesome. And yeah, big shout out again, guys, you guys are freaking awesome.
2: I I appreciate you uh, reading out that definition. Because one year ago, this whole concept of the ENF was very much a leap of faith. It was a leap of faith by, by Eve, myself. It was a leap of faith by the EOS token holders. It was a leap of faith by the EOS network. And I, 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 I don't know what that was, but I, I'm super proud of everything that's been accomplished over the last year. And it's just to do this in under one year with the complete... New EOS, the the new EOS IO, the new EOS is just man. We we really did take a leap of faith, didn't we?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think like this is the branding goes really well with something that everybody here can identify with. With a leap of faith, with like being resilient. Uh, it's the identification of this branding is super strong. Uh, I think everybody feels it that way. So once again, awesome job. Anybody else wants to applaud the ENF and the coalition for this? Great rebranding. The mics are open now. Aaron's being
2: quiet. Aaron was part of the subgroup. So the subgroup, shout out to Eve, Aaron from from Graymass, Doug from Talos, and also Justin from the Talos Foundation. So obviously Doug and Justin aren't here, but I do see Aaron on here, and I would like to call him out if he's available to get (laughs) his side cuz yeah, you got I mean, you guys came out with fuck horse so if it wasn't for antelope it's true we we might be fuck horse right now and it <laughs> is another like four legged animal so you know we've got that
8: going for us <laughs> um, no i mean yeah i was part of the initial four that was on kind of the branding side to meet with the agency and start conveying ideas about what a broader uh like what this platform and this technology were all about and there were some really strong candidates that came out for, in terms of naming. Um, but this one, I think, ended up with just the most symbolism. Uh, as you can tell by a lot of the naming we do on our products and stuff, there's kind of symbolism baked into all of them. Um, Anchor being kind of a really obvious one being, you know, that's, it's a form of security when you are out at sea in kind of this dangerous place and antelope. Being this resilient, this like creature that's evolved to survive, which, I mean, that's the EO story right now, is this survival story and this comeback and just improving and evolving. Um, so that was cool. The logo, too, has a lot of symbolism in it. Um, some of the things that weren't mentioned about the logo is it has kind of a, an infinity vibe to it. Um, it also has a little bit of yin, yin and yang to it that brings like some balance. Um, there are a lot of nods if you really look into both the name, the logo, the colors, and all of these things that
2: I think resonate with large parts of the community. Um, it, 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 it's circular, continuous development. There's four horns uh, yeah. symbolizing the four initial coalition members who took the leap with us because initially we had a group of maybe 8 EOSIO chains in both public and private maybe even more and it, it uh, at, at the end of it whenever uh it, it came time to shit or get off the pot as far as um going all in on it with with the funding aspects it was it was four of us Talos, it was, ENF was in it from the beginning Talos stepped in next then Wax stepped in and then UX Network so those four horns on the logo ideally UX oh sorry, whack. sorry. <laughs> my bad um I man you just threw me off but yeah <laughs> and regardless of order <laughs> those four coalition members are symbolized in the icon and that'll never change hopefully in the future we will have dozens of uh partners within the antelope coalition group um participating in uh both RFP bidding and in, in funding and, and even turning Antelope into its own independent organization separate from all of the chains. Like in the long-term future, hopefully there will be many, but we'll always remember the original four and they're symbolized in that logo. And I think what I really tried to
8: bring, you mentioned these four chains and I'm I am involved in the ENF, but I also kind of represent... Uh, part of the the technology that's not chain specific, and I really tried to bring that when I was giving feedback to um, the branding agency and the concepts that we were conveying in that you know right now we're we have these four chains that are coming together to do this and rebrand this, but like we need to think about chains that are going to be joining us in the future. Like Antelope really is a platform that should appeal. Like It's a promotional tool for the four chains to like show this is the technology we're built on, but it's also this technology stack that future chain uh, launchers, I don't even know what to call them, people who are going to launch these types of blockchains will look at and be like, Antelope is a serious option. I could launch my own chain using this technology stack, and here is this suite of powerful tools that I can bring along in this, this herd, if you will, that I can become a part of. Um, So hopefully that's kind of represented a little bit in there. Um, I know I'm not the only one representing this idea, but I feel I'm in somewhat of a unique position that I'm not really a chain member of the coalition. I'm kind of this honorary mascot. I don't know. (laughs) You're the man of the peoples. Apparently. So... No, it was good though, and the reception's been really great to see today. Um, I was surprised when I woke up and already saw messaging about it. Uh, I know I, I had seen knew the plans and when it was coming out, and wasn't expecting that. But like t- experiencing that and then seeing positivity around it was like, oh, all right, this is cool. <laughs> Even if it's not going according to plan, it's still positive. So no, it's been a good day so far witnessing this and seeing how the community is uh embracing it and finding memes and just kind of it was a very main shout out to the
2: memes feeling
0: to it oh the memes memes. (laughs) that's also kind of what solidified this maybe maybe nathan can speak to the memes or brandon if he's on
3: i was just about to touch on it because i think it's one of the most important factors of this there's a real instant personification from anybody and you can see it in the telegram chat where anybody who comes in, they instantly throw down kind of like a mean gif of an antelope and they join the herd, uh, quote-unquote. And it becomes something that they're proud of. And that's really, really important for getting a brand out there.
9: That's a fantastic day. Uh, it's, sorry to jump in, but I, I cannot resist. It's too much beautiful, this antelope. Uh, for me, that's represent the reliability, the accountability, the resilience that we that we are in since August 2021 uh, by the, the birth of the ENF. And I want just to, to say shout out to, to Yves LaRose, shout out to uh, Zach Gold, Brandon Lovejoy, uh, Nathan James, all the team of ENF, the marketing group uh, also behind that's just uh, amazing. This antelope. It's the Formula One. It's the the, the new uh, protocol. That's the multi-chain harmonic universe. So that's the entry point to go on to other protocol, blockchains protocol. So for me, that's uh, really the Web three, uh, without to say Web five. So that's just amazing. Uh, we are uh, we are. Uh, Taking the things for our own, the the, the logo is just fantastic. The website is uh, beautiful, the colors, the the messaging, all what is coming. And I am into this week now producing nine videos that will be published on August 23rd next week. And I have interviewed some amazing uh, people into this uh, workshop coming on August 23rd. So that could not come. I will say uh, at the best, into the best moment, this antelope is just uh, amazing. So uh, happy to be here. Uh, I am motivated to 100, 200 percent now with this antelope. So uh, guys, it's a beautiful day. I I will say it's a yeah baby for this antelope. Yeah,
1: baby. Yeah, Patrick. So, yeah, your, your workshop will be like two days after the upgrade uh, for Leap. Um, so That's I guess, just incredible, yeah. There will be, yeah, yeah. yeah you will be, there will be much more excitement. Speaking about excitement, I mean, we can still continue to talk about um, Antelope, but uh, there's also the Twitter Spaces tomorrow, so I don't want to exhaust you all uh, right here, right now, because I want you all to join the Twitter Spaces uh, tomorrow, which we shared earlier uh by on uh, which will be on the uh, antelope io twitter um what was the time again i don't have it right now but i will share it later in the chat um, 11, but eastern. 11 eastern awesome so uh moving forward if we don't want to go further on antelope i mean uh it must have been really hard to keep these news and the rebranding in when you guys were last week at the blockchain futures conference like speaking about the new eos is already a lot of excitement and right now we have the excitement of the antelope and now that it's coming on coming out we have like a lot of more things to identify with and get excited about for the next months until we have to upgrade the the, uh, trust ebm launch there's so many things going on that you guys are can share on these conferences we have the token uh, 2049 coming up in singapore but I saw, like, the futures conference. I guess a lot of people here in the crowd met in real life uh, and uh, were representing in real life first for for the first time the um, new EOS to to other people from other blockchains. Is anybody willing to share some impressions here? And how does it feel to go out there and uh, you know show what the new EOS is? This
2: is good. I, I so I I'm actually. The one person that I met for the first time, I I felt like last week I met most of the people I met at the EOS Detroit team previously. I met Daniel Keys previously, but I I, I met Chris Barnes for the first time. And one of the coolest things about about it was um, Patty, our, our new CMO with the NF, was also there. Um, and she didn't know who knew who, and when like she saw like our interaction because she was with Chris and I. She was actually surprised that we had never met in person before, just because we instantly clicked and, and were just talking as if we knew each other for years. So I thought that was interesting was to see her perspective. And I guess uh, Chris could probably speak to that a- as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, because in fairness, I kind of
10: feel like I have known you for years because you've done it's that whole, you know, the doing the podcast, doing everything EOS. It's so that podcast was so important to myself just being a huge EOS fan. Um, So I knew you really well. It felt like, Uh, I guess I was the one who, uh, who who wasn't known by you, but you know, we've interacted enough. And I think in general personalities, you, you get to know each other a bit on chat and stuff. So it was great though. Super. I really, really enjoyed getting to meet everyone for the first time and actually like shaking hands and breaking through the two-dimensional facade right and actually getting to to know somebody so it was it was really awesome and uh yeah about the uh the the secretism of of the name antelope i did notice that uh zach and eve were really bouncing around quite a bit so maybe they had the uh the antelope jump in their step (laughs) secretly (laughs) maybe that wasn't very funny i thought that was funny I give
0: you love. The, the, puns, the puns have been pretty good. Uh, the puns
10: have been pretty good, yes. Yeah, great Great time. We had, uh, Eve and I had a really awesome discussion, I think, that hopefully there was a recording of it from the Telos Culture team. So there should be, uh, that should come out. And I think that was a pretty pretty good back and forth. I think a lot of the people in the audience also had that sense of, um, it, it it, it was like a natural conversation, I think, is the, a lot of the feedback that because even I interact a fair bit and we have a good uh, good rapport when we're talking that sort of came across on stage where it felt more like a really genuine uh, kind of in detail, too. I think the other comment I heard about our chat, Eve, was that we didn't just keep it high level and fluffy. We really got mm. into some more technical pieces and a little more meat, which I think is sometimes missing from some of these conferences where folks just kind of keep it safe and high level, where I think you and I were willing to really just get into the topics that, uh, that made sense to us. And, and it was about governance. That was the main sort of uh, discussion point that when we spoke about. You
0: know. And some people did comment that they thought that we had done this on multiple occasions before. Like, nah, this, this is the first time I actually get on a stage and talk uh, with one another. And so that was also interesting. So very echoing the sentiment that Zach shared previously, it was a pretty good call. And is kind of off the cuff. Uh, I did not expect uh, to be walking into a room and delivering a presentation like that uh, per se. But because it was uh, with you doing the back and forth, it was very easy. And I think we only had twenty five minutes or so allocated, but we ended up speaking for roughly forty five minutes, something like that. Zach just shared a picture there. It was it was pretty good. Uh, I thank you for that. It was it was really nice.
10: Uh, thank thank you, and. Um... Yeah. Well, yeah, like you said, time did fly. It's uh, and I'm not, I, I, mean, I suppose maybe you have spoken a bit more at these, but I'm certainly pretty green to this whole uh, conference speaking thing. So I appreciate you for being a, a good sport with me there as well. Because there's a couple moments I'm like, shit, what am I going to say next? Got to keep this thing going. But uh, it worked out good. We were able to keep it, uh, keep it lively.
1: In terms of, I guess, just to, for silence,
10: just one other thing about the conference. Like, uh, so, uh, you know, Vitalik gave a pretty good speech, pretty high level again. Um, one of the things that stood out to me about his speech, yeah, he talked about the merge to Ethereum 2.0, but there was this one slide where he's talking about what, what's yet to be resolved. And uh, there was three items in two of them. One of them was sold down tokens. So the idea of basically non-transferable tokens attached to an account that's meant to be attached to a unique human. So that's got lots of parallels with what Eden can provide, this sort of guaranteed unique human identity attached to an EOS account. So we're steps ahead, ways ahead there. And then the other one was dispute resolution, which I think is something that is, uh, we've got the Recover Plus coming, or it's live in fact, right? So that's a, a means of dispute resolution and something that those of us in EOS have always been keenly aware of, the idea of intent of code is law. And that presupposes an ability to resolve disputes and um, and I know Dan has had a really good blog post about a potential dispute resolution mechanism so hopefully I think maybe one of the the folks leading into the the upcoming next Eden election which is crazy to think about but it's only six or seven weeks away October 7th is the next Eden election and I'm thinking that might be a great project to uh, add to our collective docket if we have enough Eden members willing to try to maybe tackle that and something that EDEN needs. We don't have dispute resolution within EDEN. There's no means to remove uh, a bad actor's account, for example. So um, so I found, found that pretty interesting from uh, Vitalik to mention that, because those are certainly two things that I think are really appropriate and apply to EDEN.
1: So did you pitch the new EOS to Vitalik?
2: Vitalik was nowhere to be found except during his speech and it was like the Pope was speaking like everyone like was at the main stage but besides when he gave his speech he wasn't really anywhere to be seen Um, but I had the same sentiment I wasn't around Chris during the speech so I had my own thoughts and when he was talking about where they're headed I I couldn't help but think wow like between EOS and the trust EVM like we're already there like he was talking about like uh permission sets and like with the soulbound tokens how like if you lose your keys how you kind of lose your identity whereas like on EOS like that's already solved we got the permission system set up it just really needs the application layer to really take advantage of it um there are a few other areas i don't have i didn't i have notes somewhere but I, yeah there there were there were a lot of parallels there where i felt really good and i was watching it with patty and the whole time i'm like this is great this is great because when the why that way, when we're talking about these problems that we solved, for example, in in Singapore, when we're talking about the trust EVM and and what it brings, when we're talking about the these specific topics, it's great because Vitalik already brought them up for us. So the, it, everyone's already familiar with these problems that we're trying to solve, and it makes it that much easier to connect with the audience and let them really understand what we're trying to do here and the problems we're trying to solve. So I think Vitalik did us a number of favors uh, with this speech. And it's good to see that we're headed in the right direction.
1: Sure feels like it. Sure feels like it.
7: Yeah, One of my biggest takeaways there, which just kind of, I can't wait for the next EOS Community Conference because (laughs) I almost forgot how valuable that face-to-face connection with the community is. Uh, You know, the last time I got a chance to hang out in person with uh, with folks from the EOS community was in Rio in 2019. Uh, you know, since then, obviously, we had all the lockdowns and stuff like that. And I was getting comfortable with meeting virtually with people and almost forgot had the, the value that you, that you get when you actually have that face to face connection with people. Um, so I spent most of my time really just reconnecting with the people that I already knew from the EOS community. And you know, there's thousands of people at this, at this conference, but I, I, pretty much 95% of the time I was just hanging out with our community who I hang out with every day digitally, but it was, you know, it's so great to have this opportunity to be be in person with them. I didn't want to waste any of that time. And uh, so it was, um, yeah, it just reminded me of that, the power of real face to face community get get togethers and getting me that much more excited for when we start doing more of that, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so i guess everybody that was at the in the in our fireside chat that was at the um, futures conference shared their impressions already unless uh you know phil Mizier is here in the chat we just saw some really cool photo of him and eve in the chat uh and phil um uh, phil if you want to share your impressions feel free to join the mic I yeah. No,
4: I thought it was a good good event. It was really great to be, you know, back amongst three dimensional people again and uh you know, to shake hands with folks that I'd only talked to before and to learn a little bit about what's going on in the rest of the community besides with EOS. And to visit Canada that's my first time
1: north of the border <laughs> Nice. How you like Canada? It was nice let
2: let me ask the real question. Was your flight into Canada delayed by chance?
4: about four hours uh, <laughs> every that's single I,
2: person in our party that's
4: why was I, delayed. that's why i told I told everyone I was going to be at that place for dinner. My flight, I didn't land and I didn't get to the hotel till after midnight.
2: I, uh, I was supposed to depart Pittsburgh at 2 PM on Sunday. My flight kept getting delayed by an hour, or two at a time, hour, or two at a time by like 11 PM. They canceled my flight. So I actually drove to Canada because I didn't trust that my, my flight would actually le- leave on time on Monday. They rescheduled my flight for like evening on Monday and the ENF, we, we had important meetings together with myself, Eve, Ted, Patty, um, before the conference began. So I actually, I, I, this is my first time driving across the border. I was I was all nervous about it, thinking it was going to be, um, I don't know, I guess my drive back, coming back into the U.S. was more of what I expected with dogs everywhere and like people getting pulled to the side. That's what it was like entering the U.S., but whenever I entered the into Canada, I was like, are you vaccinated? Yes. Okay. Come on in. It was great. Had a nice nice drive.
4: Uh, I had a really good time at the conference. All
1: right. So, yeah, I guess there are many more conferences coming up, and you guys are all prepared right now for token 20, 20, uh, ninety-four in Singapore um me uh, i'm looking forward for a conference here in germany in cologne the uh, w3 conference uh, in cologne i think somewhere sometime mid mid september as well yeah that uh, one um, will
2: actually be before uh token 2049 yeah. so that yeah that
1: one would be cool I can break the news about antelope now (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and talk to people about it. So I guess uh, me, Jana, and uh, Dini might be joining us there. Uh, Maybe Colin from Liquid Apps. So it's really, I really like what you guys are talking about right now. I can't wait to experience also meeting people in real life again and spread the news about the new EOS. Um, Did you get at all any like reaction from people who haven't heard about EOS for a while? um where the surprise are people following do we have the 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 element of surprise when we come out with all the stuff that's coming up like yield plus trust dvm all the things that we all know about i think uh people outside of yours they will Yeah, but the frequency of releases that are coming out in the next one month will be quite astonishing like are people following or not are people knowing or not um
2: not necessarily, no one, no one's as in the know as the people on this call, obviously, but um, Coindesk, or, I can't remember if it was Coindesk or Cointelegraph, whoever was f- first to publish something this morning, it didn't even so much cover the rebrand, but it did cover a, a lot of the other things happening. I mean, I, I think it maybe mentioned the rebrand at the very end, but it did bring up Yield Plus. It brought up the rebrand, it brought up the ENF. So once you start seeing these um, top-tier medias talking about it, is really when it when it'll get get amplified more. So I think we are picking up the momentum. But um as far as knowing EOS and being in the loop, I had a similar experience to what Brandon described when he came back from consensus where the history of EOS and and Block 1 and all of that nastiness that that we lived through uh for the last couple of years, most of the wider blockchain community have no clue about any of that. We have a clean slate here. It's the new EOS, but for a lot of people, it's it's the only EOS. It's the first EOS. It's 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 new to us, I guess, compared to the old EOS. But for everyone else, it's it's a it's a fresh slate. And it was also really um, good to hear everyone's perceptions because there were a lot of gaming game five projects there. There there um, a lot of EVM projects there specifically. And like on their banners and in conversations with them, they talked about all of these different chains that they supported, they support Polygon, they support Avalanche, they support Binance chain. And they asked, is EOS an EVM chain? And it's like, well, not today, but as a matter of fact, in in another month or two, it will be. Um, And that was a great um, reconfirmation of what I already knew. Where this EVM is what will allow EOS to build these bridges to all of these other uh, projects that that have deployed on, on on specifically on EVMs, because it it's so simple to deploy your project to multiple chains when, when your contracts are are built in Solidity that almost every project that Patty and I like talked to were open to following up when the EVM launches uh because of how open they are to just expanding to all, as many chains as possible um and we'd let them know about the the hackathon so i know that's part of the agenda today but there's currently an EVM hackathon that for trust EVM that already started uh they will also be participating in the um the EOS hackathon that Helios has been helping with uh that, that Chris Barnes has been leading so the, there's already talking points for these projects is hey like we have this hackathon already going on check that out get your, get your contact information and there there's endless opportunities for projects to deploy on EOS via the trust EVM and I I think it's going to all happen really fast as soon as it deploys we're going to we're going to see more um new projects launching new as in new to EOS not necessarily new because they might be on other chains already but I think we're going to see an influx of new projects like we haven't seen since mainnet launch.
1: Yes, absolutely. Great segue into the Trust EVM. That was actually just next on my list. The Trust EVM Gamify Hackathon is registrations are open right now, uh, and the price money is $150,000. Not bad, not bad. Woo-hoo. So if you know any games on other chains that are using, uh, solidity smart contract like give them a shout out to uh, you know launch and participate on in the hackathon and then get like a head start on launching on Trust EVM when it goes live on mainnet so my question would be like during the hackathon um will they be will it be testing on on the test nets or will they be immediately doing on uh no they will be on test net right oh, so, so there' there are
2: different types of hackathons, so the one that's currently live on Dora hacks um it's a hackathon, but it's, it's similar to a grant program also uh, in a lot of ways, you could read the details on the page for the full scope, but a lot of projects so there will be a lot of winners, so instead of only having like a first place prize that gets like all the almost all of the money. And then second and third place with lower prizes, instead of going that direction, for the DoraHacks one, at least, there will be many winners, um, all, all getting um, like a $5,000 grant each, essentially. And the way to get paid on that is you get half of it for deploying on the testnet and then half for deploying on, on the mainnet once it deploys on EOS. So everyone participating in that is going to deploy in the testnet because then they'll see the performance, they'll get the metrics, they'll get comfortable with it. And then by the time it, it deploys to the mainnet, which won't be too long from now, uh, they'll be ready to go. And the idea is that we'll have, like I said, uh, a, a lot of dApps deploying at once, like we haven't seen since the mainnet launch.
1: love the sound of that.
2: And, and on top of that, there's really a chance for the really good ideas and projects as part of the Dora Hacks hackathon they'll be able to double dip on the EOS hackathon also, um, which which has more traditional prize tiers where the judges select the absolute best one, it gets first place with a nice prize, like a bigger prize pool, and then second, third, fourth, fifth, get decent prizes, uh, getting smaller with each one. But the grand prize specifically will be much larger than what they're able to get in the Dora hacks. And the reason they're pretty much able to double dip is because the EOS hackathon is is an idea-a-thon and having code is, is kind of like optional, but it, it, you get kind of bonus points for it. And, and specifically for the trust EVM track. So a lot of these comms are still being finalized before being rolled out, but there'll be um, an initial prize pool of 75K that'll be broken into tiers uh, for like top couple places. But then there's also a side pool uh, for the trust EVM, which they're funding. Um, and they'll have similar but different criteria, but um, if a project participating in a hackathon has a really good idea for the idea-a-thon and they happen to be um, deploying code to the EVM and they have EVM code, then they could very well uh, double-dip on that. And then they'll be very incentivized to participate in the EOS ecosystem because they would have uh, just been rewarded. We'll be amplifying them and any good ideas or good projects that come out of this, I'm sure. We'll be inviting them to fireside chats. We'll be doing interviews with them. We'll be amplifying them on social media. Uh, I see Esteban in the channel, just like with Esteban. Esteban, you're, you're a legend. Like you, you show up, launch your trust swap and you get the support of the community. I hope, um, I hope we see 10 of you over the next couple of months. That, that would be amazing. that would be, um, we'd get that magic back. We, we haven't had this magic in the EOS ecosystem since 2018, 2019. It's been years. and, And also the magic that Daniel was describing of meeting everyone in person, like that's going to start ramping up again soon too, with all of uh, the in-person conferences throughout, uh, first in Singapore and also all throughout Europe. And then we'll, we'll, like I said, I I teased that sometime in 2023, there will be an EOS community conference. And when when we have everything solidified, we will um, share that information with everyone, but it's very much on, on, on the roadmap. Um, we just, we have a lot of other, <laughs> everything's a high priority right now. So it's really just a matter of prioritizing it all, getting, um, the framework set up first of all, for the conferences, uh, in Europe. And then once we have that framework set up, it's repeatable. We could roll it out in Asia. We could roll it out in North America, South America. And then once we have our calendar booked out for all of the conferences, uh, throughout the globe in 2023, one of them will be uh, hosting an NEOs community conference, and I, I hope that I, I get to meet as many of you as possible at, when that happens. But we don't have to wait until that, because that's uh, not not exactly um, on the calendar yet. But if any of you on this call are from Europe, and you'll be at any of the um, conferences that Zysan's running the logistics for, uh, we will have ENF at uh, most of them, if if not all of them, will have some presence there from like the core team as well. And I would I'd would love to um, meet as many of you as possible because, like Daniel said, it, there's nothing like it building those connections. I built some of my my most lasting connections within the EOS community by attending like the EOS hackathons and and B1 June and all, all the different conferences that happened in 2018 and 19. And I really can't wait to bring that magic back. I guess
0: maybe now you could drop some alpha or about where else we maybe are going in September. Or I am, anyways.
2: Yeah, I got it. Uh,
1: That's pretty alpha. Alpha time, baby.
2: Oh, right. I'll just uh, drop the same image I dropped in. Now I'm going to have to tweet it out soon. Since I hope we're thinking of the same thing. Are we talking about the Zeissan schedule? No? No. Oh. Oh. oh! 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 <laughs> oh! Yeah, the super <laughs> oh. alpha. You do it. I we, want we, you. I want it to come from you.
0: So okay. there's uh, there's something that we've been working on for a while, but it's been logistically complex, um, and so we we wanted to be ready before we actually make a decision on this. Uh, tra- for those who've been traveling, you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. So Phil chimed in earlier, said he was delayed. Zach gave his story. Out of everybody who came to Toronto uh, from the ENF everybody was delayed Uh, even me taking the train i was delayed like it just makes no sense um and so logistically we know it's challenging with all of the restrictions and just with travel right now it's been quite complex um and so we are heading or yeah we are heading to singapore at the end of uh september prior to this though there was up in the air this idea of going to south korea And uh, originally, we applied to uh, be speakers at the Upbit Developer Conference, which would be held, if I'm not mistaken, September 22nd, 23rd, or 21st, 22nd, 22nd, 23rd. And uh, that didn't work out. Their speaker list was already complete. uh, But we did continue uh, engaging with Upbit Developer Conference. And I can announce that we will be having a booth. So I will be present physically in South Korea, unless otherwise logistically for some for some reason, this won't be happening, but uh, I will be present uh, for two days in South Korea in Busan. I'll probably be doing a uh, trip to Seoul at the same time, making some meeting some stakeholders there. So, if uh, you're in that region of the world, then I will also be there prior to going to Singapore uh, mid to end September.
2: Man, that, that, that's that's some fresh alpha right there. Sweet, 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 sweet. Lots
1: of EOS tokens in Korea.
0: The, the um, decision was taken this morning, essentially. We just got at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time is when we got the, uh, kind of the okay. So now we're, we really don't have much time, but we're going to try and coordinate this so that while we're down, we, we get to meet with some key stakeholders um, and uh, essentially make the most out of the four days or so, I believe, that I'll be in, in South Korea.
2: Awesome. And what I thought you were talking about before is the the bigger conference (laughs) list, which which I've kind of... go for it. I mean, that is an alpha too. Go for it. So we'll be at the Gartner Security and Risk Management Summit in London on September 12th through the 14th. We'll be at the TechX Blockchain Expo Europe in Amsterdam uh, on September 20th and 21st. We'll be at (laughs) W3 Vision, which is like uh, part of a larger global tech conference called d That's in Cologne, Germany. That's September 21st and 22nd. That's the one Martin was talking about earlier. There will be a strong EOS presence there because there is somewhat of a mini EOS meetup happening there. I know um, uh, who, who will be there? Liquid will be there. Uh, I'm
1: not Me will be there. <laughs> will be there. Jana will be there. Corbin will be there. Yeah, Liquid, Liquid you, you just mentioned. Yeah, Corbin. You might man. make it yeah and then uh, there I,
2: might be I'm like busy. i heard oh. Den, denny's wife might be there
11: yeah well i gotta bring yeah we're on a we're gonna be in belgium so we're gonna be uh visiting uh so yeah i'll definitely be there as well
2: so that'd yeah, be a hell of a place to go if you're on this call and in europe and aren't busy on the 21st and 22nd of uh september yeah,
0: will be in New York in September and we'll be in the Bay Area as well b- before going to Singapore. So, I mean, EOS, we've been talking about this for a while. EOS is coming in full force as of September in person all around the globe, multiple dates at the same time, different events. Um, and this is going to be the new norm going forward.
2: I'll just continue on token 2049 in Singapore. That's September 28th and 29th and our closing parties on the 30th. Uh, DeFi Conference 2022 in Ireland on October 26th, uh, Future Blockchain Summit in Dubai on October 10th through the 13th, Blockchain Expo in Zaragoza, Spain on October 26th and 27th, Web Summit 2022, which is a mega tech conference, let alone Web3, it's it's bigger than Web3, that's in Lisbon, Germ- or Lisbon, Portugal on November 1st through the 4th. And a lot of our team will be there, including uh, the legendary Nathan James uh, giving an antelope workshop on on this amazing technology. Uh, We have uh, the Gartner IT Expo Symposium in Barcelona, Spain, November 7th through the 10th. We've got Token 2049 London, uh, November 9th and 10th. And then we also have the TechX Blockchain Expo in London, December 1st and the 2nd.
0: Uh, and still finalizing, but I'll likely be at the Token 2049 London one as well. Oh.
2: That one should be fun. Mm.
0: And we're already starting to look out for the events uh, as of Q1 2023, right? So that's the other thing is as we start, um, you know, we're, we're negotiating on a lot of these events. We're negotiating what that what that means, who's going to go and such. Um now we have those contacts, now we have the framework built around that and that's just going to get more solid so we'll be able to share more and more events around the world uh, and hopefully there's one near uh, um, all of you at some point and we can meet up.
1: Yeah, around the world is a topic right here. (laughs) EOS in Antelope around the world. It's uh, super great that we're going to actually go out with this right now, uh, starting September. I think everybody's been waiting for this and I think we have all of that we need to impress uh,
9: <laughs> Antilope, the <de> Formula One. <laughs> exactly.
2: Um, so, Eve I, 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 oh, real quick. Eve, I did a terrible job at trying to explain the Gartner partnership. I don't think we've actually talked about that at all. And I think you would probably be the best person to explain the, the importance of that. And, So, Gartner is not really a
0: a partnership. Uh, We are essentially a client of Gartner, as is, uh, I believe it's well over 2,000 organizations around the world. Uh, The largest, pretty much every Forbes 500 company is a client of Gartner. Uh, Gartner, I'm maybe not the best person to explain what Gartner is, but it gives us a wealth. It gives us access to the Gartner um, uh, researchers and analysts. And think of it like a private club that there's a significant fee to join, but once you join and because everybody pays that membership fee, then you get access to all the information from everybody else. And then Gartner has all these analysts that has discussions with every single one of their vendors aggregates all of that data and is able to give, because Gartner is so massive, is able to get a really good high level overview of where the markets in general are going within different respective fields because they just collect all of that data essentially. And uh, because there's such a high feat to join, it really gives you an insight on where the markets are going. Where's Mar- Microsoft going? Where's Google going? What are they doing in terms of blockchain? What are competitors doing? What kind of tech stack are they looking at? What's important for them in their tech stack? So it really gives you an insight in terms of um, where you want to position yourself in the global world, but also when they start writing reports about this, obviously because you're a paid member, they have your data, they do interviews with you. And so whenever they'll do a blockchain report, for example, then EOS, uh, Antelope in this case, I guess would be mentioned, or ENF would be mentioned, EOS would be mentioned. Uh, and so then when others are looking into hey yeah I'd like to dip my toes into blockchain or hey I want to invest in the blockchain and I want to you know start leveraging the technology what's out there then as part of the reports eos will start showing up more and more uh, and so it's it's really key it's it's really one of the highest level uh, from an enterprise point of view locations that you that you should be that you'd like to be this also gives you access to a few of the events that um, uh, that, that we mentioned that we're, we're going to, but there's events from Gardner all around the world. The largest, uh, typically the largest enterprises, largest companies will be there. They're looking to deploy capital. They're looking to you know move their businesses forward. And EOS will now be represented at that that highest
1: enterprise uh, table, so to speak. Sounds great. Love it. Um Mel just asked an interesting question in the chat, asking all of these dates, will they be published somewhere uh, so we can all know where EOS will be public? And if we are somewhere near, uh, we we can like privately or just decide if we want to join or not. Is there a plan of like a, an event calendar or something like that? Yeah. So I, I listed all of the ones we'll be at.
2: Some of them are still pending contracts there's like negotiation back and forth on the sponsorship and what you actually get for that sponsorship um so i didn't want to kind of release it too soon until they were solidified but um now that we've kind of made them all public i feel like i need to make them more public so give me a couple of days to uh get a graphic together so we could have a really cool graphic that shows the the calendar but i'll put a text version out even sooner. I'll I'll drop it in the um, public chats, probably on Twitter. Um, But then we'll get a graphic. That way, it's more shareable. Um, The problem with the graphic, I guess, is that you got to constantly update it because this is a never-ending thing. But um, yeah, let's make it public. um, And I'll work towards a graphic. And maybe even the .gems team could help me with that graphic.
1: We'd love to. We'd love to. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then yeah. because we, it, these conferences they're not always like open for everybody. You need to have a ticket, et cetera, et cetera. But it's always a great opportunity to organize on the side, like a local meetup with, with people. And that's some somewhere where the community can get active and we can have really like, uh, you know, uh, very some grassroots funny. movement. That's very much the
2: plan that we want to have. So within the coalition, uh, we've shared our European conference calendar with them. Ideally, there will be certain events on the calendar where there's multiple uh, chains there. So that not only could we have like an EOS satellite event, but it could be even a wider like Antelope event. Um, So definitely have that on our radar, but also just growing the community in general. Um, I, I think... Over time, we're going to start seeing that all of these conferences are going to have such um, a, a strong EOS base there that it would just be a no-brainer to run satellite events. Anyone who's ever been at a, a blockchain week in, like, um, for Consensus or in Korea or, or uh, Crypto Week in Singapore, every time you go to these events, there, there's the main conference, which is usually two days out of the whole week, but the week is always branded as a blockchain week or a crypto week. And every single day, even outside of the the large conference, there's always all of these satellite events going on. So that's very much where we want to be, is we want to have a strong enough community, not only within EOS, but also the, the wider Antelope ecosystem, to be able to run these, these these satellite events, where we kind of have our own little community conferences uh, in addition to the main conferences, because everyone's already in town for the main conference, so it's kind of like a no-brainer to, to run these satellite events. And that's very much the plan. Uh, Cologne will probably be the first one and it's not even really being organized by us it kind of happened organically you guys uh, and and your team were kind of already planning to be in Europe around that time and it came out that we'll, we'll be sponsors at this conference and now it seems like there's a little meetup going on it sounds like you guys got a pretty large little group going there um, and that's just going to get bigger and bigger as we continue picking up momentum and hitting up more cities and doing more events and hitting up more continents
1: absolutely yeah i can't wait to to uh, meet you all and also tap into the german eosbs to come to the satellite event that we might organize somewhere on the sidelines of the uh, w3 vision so yeah i'm super excited about this uh, me personally i just moved to germany and uh, that's something where i meet a lot of people right now uh, in real life so i'm i'm excited for this stuff <laughs> so um but I don't know how this really happened. We went from the Trust EVM Gamify hackathon, which is an online event where you can sign up, into real life events. I think everybody is super hungry to, you know, some real life uh, happening after like a long term uh, of lockdown and registra- uh, restrictions. So it's super reasonable. But I want to move forward to another thing that we can uh, sign up for since last Friday, I think, which is the Yield Plus um initiative right um which uh right now the, the it's not live yet but uh, projects that uh, doing DeFi can sign up um and uh maybe Denis can join us to talk a little bit about the process about this yeah like how yeah. as a process how do you sign up
11: yeah thanks martin for the introduction um, yeah, so Yield Plus is open for registration, so it is still the early stages, sort of like say the pilot phase of the project, which was onboarding active DeFi protocols that anyone can register as long as you have an active DeFi protocol, and as long as these applications are focused on sort of attracting liquidity, so this is a TVL sort of reward mechanism. Um, initially it will only be the core assets like EOS or Tether that will contribute towards your TVL valuation. And, um, there's also a minimum of EOS valuation that you need to achieve for a protocol to start earning rewards. And that will be 200,000 EOS. So that will be the minimum. Any, any projects that have below that can still register Um, and they can still get approved they just will not be earning rewards when the rewards start kicking in Um, and there's also a maximum so that way projects cannot um, take uh, too much of a larger pie of the rewards so it's six million eos which will be the max cap uh, and this could be increased down the road but initially a minimum 200,000 eos maximum six million Um, I'm going to drop some links. We have actually two methods to sign up. Uh, There's the web portal. So it is tokenyield.io. Let me share that in the chat. And then the other method is we've been working on uh, documentation for those advanced use cases. Um, So we have a user guide that people can go uh, if they want more information on how to sign up. Uh, through Clios or through you know just having more information about how to sign up and all those advanced features. But if you're a, a, a standard, typical DeFi protocol with one, one smart contract, the uh, web portal will be the easiest way to sign up. There's a join button. You fill out your details, you put in your project name, your website, your description, um, and any extra metadata that you want. And this will... Uh, allow you to submit a transaction to the Yield Plus contract to be registered. So that is the registration process for Yield Plus and uh, more to come. Uh, Follow the news from ENF um, for updated uh, the next steps for Yield Plus. So right now we're still in the early stages and we're onboarding uh, DeFi protocols. So right now, currently we have about seven, I think it's about seven protocols. Uh, seven protocols that have signed up. Um, There is more protocols out there. I do know of projects that are currently in the process of uh, of applying. So we will hopefully have more protocols by the end of the uh, sort of pilot phase. So anyone who's hosting a DeFi protocol, even if you have a small amount of TVL, um, it's best to sign up, be listed on the website, And then that way, that might actually attract more TVL to your project. Um, And one of the things that we'd be looking forward is getting these projects to announce what they plan on doing with those rewards. So some project can do a buyback, or they can give back 100% to their users, or they can give EOS, or they can give their underlying asset. Um, There's many different ways to reallocate the yield plus rewards so we'd be really curious and and excited to see projects do announcements on what they plan on doing with those uh, yield plus rewards when it comes out (laughs) sounds
1: great Yeah, what a so, <laughs> <laughs> what a so one question that I'm having, I mean, like there are great DeFi projects on EOS right now, but with the launch of Trust EVM, will they also like if let's say like Uniswap by anything or, you know, Sushi Swap, if they want to tap into Yield Plus, would they be able to get these incentives through launching on Trust EVM? Is this something that's on the roadmap?
11: Yeah so the 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 phase 2 of yield plus is to add additional support for things like trust evm uh, additional assets um this will come down the road i mean first first thing that needs to happen is trust evm needs to uh be active and there's some implementation like there's some integration um testing that needs to happen initially um but the plan is that any project that is also listed on EOS or TrustEVM would be able to participate and join in Yield Plus. Um, I think the only requirement is that you might have to register with an EOS account, uh, and then you can bridge your rewards because you will be paid in EOS. You can bridge them to TrustEVM. So there would be a sort of a bridge requirement for uh, the rewards, but anybody can register on TrustEVM. However, this will be in the second phase of the Yield Plus process. So not on the initial um, first, first phase.
1: Yes, but these projects technically would need to provide liquidity for EOS, USDT. Yes, liquidity pool,
11: right? The second phase is we're going to be opening up other assets as well. So there might be the EVM token in, in those assets. Like There will be other core native assets that are going to be supported by Yield Plus. Um, but initially, it will only be EOS and Tether, and, and uh, we will be opening up other assets as we um, as we do those risk analysis for those assets to be added. Uh, Trust EVM EVM native token will be most likely uh, the first to, to be supported.
1: Sweet, love it.
11: Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, all these Trust EVM uh, DeFi projects come online. Uh, we're going to be starting VM with zero liquidity, so I, li- I would l- love to see how how fast it grows in terms of uh, TVL on uh, VM.
1: Great, everybody. Anybody got uh, some special questions regarding Yield Plus for Denis? Once he's here online, mastermind of Yield Plus.
3: Yeah. Um, can anyone talk about maybe some of the trickle down benefits to you like, like kind of regular EOS holders?
11: Yeah, I mean that's really up to the, each applications. So the trickle down is that the goal is that these applications will build protocols. Those protocols will have generate fees or generate sort of um, transactional financial transactional purpose. Um, and that will essentially create sort of a big lockup of a lot of EOS being locked onto EOS. Um, those projects can then um, give back rewards in, in different forms. So technically, if if um, a project is submitted to Yield Plus, uh, users will now have many different options of how to deposit and earn yield on their EOS, whether it's from a lending protocol, a swap pool or a single-sided liquidity, you'll have different options to deposit with different risk tolerance because not everybody wants to add a 50-50 swap pool, or maybe not everybody wants to be part of a lending protocol. Um, so all of these projects will will offer different ways to earn with your EOS. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be up to the protocols themselves to market and promote um, their use case and seeing if users want to join and participate, um, and the the return or the the rewards will also be trickled down, in, in whatever clever ways the protocols um, decide to use.
3: Yeah, is um is that a requirement for the the protocol to actually offer these yield incentives to users, or, or not?
11: No, it is not a requirement. However, um, if you you need that for for development costs, or if you need that for promotion, um, essentially each each protocol will be at their discretion of how they want to use it. Um, However, if you want to attract liquidity, um, usually you you will most likely um, give back some of that to your user base. And that will attract more liquidity for the protocols, which will then earn them more money. So it, it's it's not a requirement, but it will most likely be the default.
1: Yeah,
2: everyone's competing yeah. for liquidity and you as an EOS token holder or a Tether holder, um, you decide where you want to put your liquidity and, and how much risk you want to take, whether you want to risk impermanent loss in an AMM pool or if you just want to lend it out. There's a bunch of different ways to participate in DeFi, but you, as the token holder, decide where you're going to put it. And if one protocol is offering a, a nice reward program that leverages the Yield Plus like subsidy, then obviously you're going to put your capital there over, over somewhere else who isn't. But it, it's nice that the protocols have the flexibility to determine on their own how they um, capitalize on the Yield Plus subsidy, because just off the top of my head, there's a bunch of different options. They could take the EOS rewards and put it into uh, like a protocol on liquidity pool. They could do token buybacks and they could actually pay out more of their native tokens uh, and and, and, uh, potentially increase the price by doing buybacks with all of the Yield Plus uh, earnings that they're getting. Um, they could just pay out directly and just pass along the EOS token. So maybe you're earning a box token and, and an EOS token or a pizza token. So it's up to the protocols themselves. And that's kind of what I've been doing a little bit in the background is pointing this out that the protocols themselves need to be putting out their own blog posts to get their communities excited about how they plan to utilize the EOS subsidy on Yield Plus. Because Yield Plus, the target demographic for Yield Plus initially is the protocols themselves. It's up to the protocols to, to uh, market and amplify it to their end users and get them excited of, okay, now we're getting this EOS subsidy, which is equivalent to about a 5% yield on EOS or Tether. Then it's up to them to get their own communities and their own token holders, if they have a token, excited about it. So that, that's really the push happening in the background now is how are you guys going to utilize it? And please communicate it to your communities because we can't do that for you. So as listeners on this call, if you're uh, using some of these DeFi projects that already exist on EOS, start asking them in their public channels, how do you you all plan to utilize the, the EOS in Yield Plus once you start receiving it?
3: Yeah, sick. I mean, you could probably relate it to you know the years we've had of of vote buying, and you know the market always kind of dictates where the votes go by, generally you know what yield is is offered in return for that. So uh, I see kind of the same mechanics playing out with this. And, yeah, that's really cool, guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool things with yield plus that might not be noticeable on the surface. We've talked about it on these calls before, but the fact that there's a cap. On how much uh, yield plus uh, rewards a protocol can earn, they eventually top off at a certain level of TVL. So, what that incentivizes is it incentivizes like a more robust ecosystem. So, instead of just one protocol getting all of the yield plus yield, it's going to be spread across dozens of protocols. Which one limits like systematic risk because all the risk isn't in one protocol because all the TVL's there. But it also allows all kinds of like cool arbitrage to happen because if you have like 10 AMMs all with decent liquidity, then they're all trading against each other to make sure that the market's efficient. And that in turn creates native yield from the swap fees that also goes to the token holders.
1: Your record. Your record. You have like crazy background noise. I mute, server mute you a little bit. But if you want to speak, I will uh, unmute you right now. But if you're not speaking, please uh, mute yourself. Says the guy with a dog in the
0: background. Hey, Simba. <laughs> he got his
1: key. All right. Uh, I will unmute you. If you mute you.
2: One of, one of the other things about Yield Plus is I brought this up like two months ago, but I'll revisit it today to poke the bear, I guess, the Eden bear on. I, I hope to see uh, different organizations, entities and people spinning up DeFi projects that you wouldn't typically expect from them. And Eden would be a good example is create a token contract that essentially just has a lockup in it, a 30 day lockup. Put your EOS in this uh, deposit contract with a 30 day lockup, for example that would qualify for a yield plus. I I hope to see a lot of different communities that already exist or that are are going to exist in the near future to start thinking about these things. Um, DeFi is not limited to lending pools and swaps. Like there's a lot of different um, ideas out there that haven't yet come to fruition that I hope to see. And Eden already has a significant treasury, for example, so and and now it's under the control of their custodian or their their chief delegates. So there's more flexibility. Even if it doesn't happen in this term, maybe the next term or the term after that. But start thinking about how you can create a DeFi protocol to participate in Yield Plus because it's it's a huge opportunity. You're essentially getting a a five percent base yield, uh, it paid denominated in EOS, and that's something you you can't get through Rex necessarily. Rex is like under a percent right now. And if you're using certain proxies, you can maybe get two or three percent. Um, but with um yield plus you could actually leverage yield building your own protocol, you could leverage yield plus plus proxies plus recs. And collectively you could be seeing anywhere between like five to eight percent yield uh for for EOS. You're already holding the EOS, put your EOS to work.
8: Hey Zach,
0: it's Trimbot here. Quick question. So if someone made us um, a proxy voting pool and they got enough um, EOS in that state to be
1: eligible for your yield, plus that would count.
11: No. So, no, it, because it doesn't need to own the EOS. So a proxy or st- uh, delegating does not count because you actually do not own any of the EOS.
0: That so would be doesn't... the derivative version of and no-go. Well, well
11: what, the,
2: no, what they could do is, so let's her, say I spin up a, a locking pool. I say, deposit your EOS to me. And as part of the deal, I'm gonna I'm gonna proxy all of your EOS because you're depositing into my deposit contract. So there's a, a custody aspect to it. Whatever account on EOS holds the EOS can proxy their votes wherever they want, and the end users depositing their EOS into that contract decide whether or not they're comfortable with those terms. So that would be how it would be done. It has nothing to do with Yield Plus, though, as far as the proxy. It's kind of like separate, unless That's I misinterpreted the question.
3: It's not the
0: proxy part.
2: A proxy doesn't hold the assets. Exactly, yeah. It's So no, it's,
0: you need to hold the assets. Correct. Yeah. Otherwise, no that it's that it it. a derivative. So no, yeah. we're not doing derivatives. Yeah, so yeah, no, what I'm just saying, just Zach saying is, mentioned that I got confused.
2: Yeah, so what I'm saying is, if I have a treasury I'm holding, let's say I'm a project and I did a token sale a couple of years ago and I have a couple hundred thousand EOS or something. Uh, well, that, that's a bad example. Let's say... Defi box, for example, they're they're already qualified. They have the minimum TVL, right? They already—you don't even notice it as an end user. But if you have EOS staked into any of the liquidity pools, there's a certain percentage of that EOS that's being staked or, or staked towards some proxy. I, 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 Denny, you might know better than me um, of the percentage, but it, it's happening, and the earnings from that pro- those uh, proxy rewards, the staking rewards, they're actually getting, uh, sent back to the treasury or sent back to their end users, but it's, it's like a whole different mechanism outside. So you're earning yield from the swap fees, but you're also earning yield from the underlying rec staking, which could earn anywhere between half a percent to up to 3%, depending on, um, the staking rewards who you're voting for and all, all kinds of different components of that, but it's separate from yield plus. And it would be a derivative token if, I don't want to get into the derivative aspect, but there are ways that um, the yield could be maximized through other means outside of Yield Plus that if they wanted to pass those rewards to the end users, they could. And and that's kind of what we hope to see is these synergies between all of these different layers of yield, um, but not in a sketchy way. Like um, I don't know if everyone was following the news, but like a week or two ago, Um, this developer and his brother on Solana, they created all of these anonymous developer accounts, and then they launched like 10 different DeFi protocols with each DeFi protocol, leveraging the derivative token of the other protocols. So for every like one Solana in TVL, it was being accounted for like 10 Solana worth of TVL. And it was just this facade of liquidity that didn't actually exist. And they counted that, for
0: something like $9.7 billion of the $10 billion in TVL accounted for in yeah. Solana.
2: And that's absolutely not going to happen. And there, there's checks and balances to prevent that. And that's essentially the, the core reasoning behind only uh, launching this with EOS and native USDT counting. Because we didn't want to take that risk, the derivative risk of allowing... Um, derivative tokens to exist. Um, for example, if I deposit um, EOS into a Pizza DeFi lending contract, I get back a PE. I, I can't remember the symbol for it, but I get a derivative token back. Let's say I don't think it's PEOS; it might be PZEOS. I have this derivative token. It's worth one EOS if I swapped it back for that EOS. But we're very careful to not allow tokens like that to count towards TVL. Because the lending contract itself that holds the real EOS would count towards Yield Plus, but the derivative token that I receive as an end user who deposited into that contract, that token that I received back, whether it's PZEOS or a DEOS or whatever other derivative DeFi box or DFS uh, or PEETS are giving away for deposits, those tokens will not count towards Yield Plus.
6: Hey Zach, Felix here. I guess a quick question, because this stuff for me, like I think once it's out and I'm playing with it, that's when I'll, I'll really start to kind of, I guess, comprehend more of it. But in the simplest terms, you, you're mentioning like Eden being able to lock up their funds um, and I, I guess uh, qualify for like a five percent uh, return or something like along those lines. Uh, sorry if I'm butchering some of the things, but but basically, is, is that am I on the right? Uh, way of thinking about like bait at the most basic level that could be something where basically we're trying to in- incentivize people to lock their pool lock their funds up in a way to kind of showcase like hey my funds are locked they can't be taken out meaning that no. it's not going to be, be it, it's, it's more no. than that
2: it has to be a real DeFi protocol it has to have some function wh- whether like a lockup is a very simple function um but it doesn't have to be a lockup. I'll I'll bump my post from a few months ago and it was just brainstorming. So let me clarify this. This is brainstorming. Someone actually have to think it through and build it. Um but I I don't think you're describing it correctly, but I'm going to find my old post and bump it in the Eden channel for now. That's probably the I, best answer. It needs to be a
0: DeFi protocol. It needs to have DeFi functionality. It's not just
2: Yeah. It has to it's allow not just other owning people to, Yeah, yes. You have to have other people you able have an to the application. It? Yes,
0: Your, people. Other people can interact with whatever it is you're created because you have a product, um, and yes. it, so it needs to be a DeFi product, not so. When when we say protocols, is because some products have multiple protocols, like swap, like a vault, like X, XYZ, um, and so a particular project can have multiple protocols, but each of them think of them like they could be separate separate products as well, but there needs to be something. It's not simply owning EOS. Um, So think of Yield Plus as B2B, not B2C. So B2C doesn't get replaced. So let's say DeFi Box, because we mentioned that as an example, they're the B2C. What Yield Plus does is it works with B2B, so the protocol works with, or I guess in in this case, Yield Plus works with um, DeFi Box. What DeFi Box does with that, and that's what Zach and Dini were explaining earlier uh, when Rec Kid asked his questions, is the DeFi Box application and the team, they need to figure out what to do with that and how to attract more customers. Um, and so you leverage those working on applications, building on applications, building communities, um, you leverage them. So you do the, B2, the B2B, they do the B2C. So the B2C would be, or the C in this case would be the the individual token holders simply holding tokens that uh, wants to earn yield on their stake, they would now, the protocol, or I guess EOS will incentivize applications to form applications to um, gather EOS and USDT, so to increase the total value locked. Uh, so TVL is, is well known, I guess Denise, uh, I guess somewhat coined TTVL, true total value locked. Um, that's why the, the, the hard assets that we keep referring to um, simply being EOS and USDT for now. Uh, and so this idea is that the protocol now incentivizes or Yield Plus incentivize applications to come to EOS and have higher TVL. The higher the TVL they have, the more rewards they can get, the more incentive they could provide to their users. Um, and or more on development uh, and or more on like zach mentioned mo- multiple other ways but the idea is then there's flexibility in there and how they spend that and how they attract customers ultimately it's all about uh, having more users come in more tvl that's the yield plus program but it's leveraging applications instead of just going directly to the customer base you do the b2b
6: okay cool thank you yeah uh and, and what following- the second thing
0: is Eden could be a B. Eden could create uh, a DeFi application. And if it were to do that, it would already start with, if it's staked into itself or if it's leveraged its treasury into its own product, it would start with uh, roughly close to enough EOS to meet the minimum threshold to get that extra boost in yield, which uh, is 200,000 EOS.
6: Mm, okay all right cool yeah i I still think i I follow some of it it's still gonna for me i take a little bit to comprehend but i guess i this kind of brings up a a thing that i've been kind of interested in. i I, sorry if this like kind of diverges the conversation then uh yeah i guess please excuse it but basically when i think of tvl how that brings value to our our token too is because it in a way it's when we lock up tokens and they can't be sold there's value in that in some way, right? Because now it's it's kind of showing like the confidence that's staked to the the currency, and then uh, I don't know if if, if that's kind of making sense. Uh, but those are just kind of like thoughts that come to mind of like I see the value of locking up tokens in the in the ecosystem because. Diamond hands are coming to mind, in a sense, right? The longer you lock yeah. up tokens, that's that's like your investment saying, like, "Hey, I believe in this. I'm sticking in this currency for you know x x many months, years, whatever." And if we have some type of incentivization to do that, I think also gener- could generate a ton of value. Uh, and you know, potentially that's a DeFi product. Like I said, I'm still very green in this field and and need to like really digest and comprehend like how DeFi will work and and seeing applications and stuff will play, but. I'm just kind of interested on like your your viewpoint or perspective on kind of what I just shared as far as as those ideas.
0: Yeah, well, that's what the acronym stands for, right? Total value locked, and the higher the TVL, then as you say, it gives a signal to the market that there uh, there's confidence in that particular uh, project. So, uh, if if a chain or I guess TVL is is somewhat of a KPI or is a is a metric that at this point is quite uh, widespread in, in blockchain where most chains advertise their TVL. Maybe Zach or Denny, you can share the, um, uh, I can't, for, I, I'm drawing a blank on the website that that ranks chains by TVL. Uh, so yes, it does DeFi demonstrate. Lama. Yes, thank you, DeFi Lama. It does demonstrate, as you, as you say, Felix, somewhat of um, a confidence in that underlying product. And incentivizing that TVL is what uh, uh, Yield Plus was designed to do uh, from a mathematical point of view, as well as then the other criteria that used. And if you really want to go into detail, I do invite you to read the 79 pages or 89 pages in Yield Plus. Uh, There's modeling as to why that might be, where they came about with those particular numbers, the minimum, the minimum threshold and the cap and what happens What amount of funds would be incentivized to do this, et cetera, et cetera? It goes into much greater detail as to where that even comes about. If really that interests you, Felix.
6: Okay, sweet. Yeah, I'll put that as something to to review. But yeah, another reason why I've got the whole the leap of faith with with you guys. You guys are the the brain power, uh, and you know, there's a lot of trust with with that as well. So obviously, though, also doing my due diligence, I want to dive into that too. Cause yeah, I, ooh, DeFi gets me so excited, especially with the EVM. It, it makes so much fundamental sense as to how that truly adds value to a cryptocurrency. And, uh, then it becomes a little bit less speculative of like, okay, we really should see an appreciation of the price of, of EOS as the TVL, uh, starts to go up. And, uh, yeah.
2: The other value is, um, when it's kind of like someone buys EOS and they're like, well, now what do I do with my EOS? Well, right now there's only a few limited options. Um, but soon there, there will be, especially with EVM, like there will be dozens and dozens, if, if not more, uh, options of what you could actually do with your EOS to put it to work. If you're someone who doesn't uh, typically withdraw your tokens from Coinbase or Binance, you just usually hold them there and just that's, that's fine. That's a lot of users that do that. Then having the best possible yield for your EOS being I keep jumping back and forth between EOS and EOS, but um uh there's more options. Like why why hold it on an exchange uh where there's no yield potentially? And whenever you could bring it on, on chain and, and get a, a a 5% plus yield on your EOS. Um also you as an end user, like yeah, this stuff's complicated, but it it's it it doesn't need to be for an end user. For an end user, hopefully the protocols that emerge just make it super simple. Deposit your tokens here and earn yield. Like that's all you really need to know. Um the fact that like I guess you should have an understanding of what they're doing with it, but like with lending for example, you deposit your tokens into a lending contract. The DeFi protocol lends those tokens out to other people who want to pay money to borrow them. And typically the the amount borrowed compared to the amount of deposits is under 50%. So th- there's always um like the ability with uh, typically there's The ability to withdraw. Um, But really, as an end user, if the DeFi protocols are doing their job and keeping things simple, all you need to know is deposit your tokens here, earn yield. Um, But if you're a DeFi protocol developer, then you need to really understand all all of the nuances of how this works and incentive models that exist and what you're going to do with the yield plus yield. But you, I I mean, I imagine you're more of a consumer than a a business. So that's what we're talking about with like the B2B compared to the B2C.
6: Okay. And then when it comes to like kind of due diligence, the, you know, cause so I get, I get what you're saying and that's, all, uh, yeah, I, I love that for like the mainstream adoption. So I, I guess I'm trying to think also from that lens, what, how much due diligence is needed for when you lock up? Cause not, I guess nothing's guaranteed or like, well, everyone, right? so- who, reg-
2: everyone who registers uh, for yield plus must first register with recover plus. So as part, if, if that's the case, that means that the DeFi protocol went through a KYC process. Um they're listed on a portal, and that portal indicates whether or not they've been audited before. It's not necessarily a, a requirement, but it's definitely um encouraged. So you would see the checkbox, are you audited? That that's not a guarantee that there's no risk, but it it reduces it a little bit. And then are you open source? And if it's open source, you as a non-developer, you might not understand it, but ideally. Uh, there would be someone else in the community who you trust who can maybe validate that they've researched the open source code and they think it's good. Once again, doesn't remove all of the risk, but it, it should reduce it a little bit in your mind. So, And also, I guess, reputation of the project and, and the people behind the project. Are the project founders all anonymous or are they not anonymous? Did they exist in the community before? Or did they just show up randomly? Um, so th- that's typically w- what I would think of with it. I mean, if if you want to take the least amount of risk, I, w- I would stick to the protocols that have been around for the last two years. But I, I think we're going to see a lot of new ones emerge. So it, I-, I guess everyone's level of risk is different, and every like risk appetite as far as like uh, like impermanent loss risk, for example, you should understand that if you're going to participate in an automated market maker, for example. Um, but I don't think I could tell you like how to do your due diligence. The tips I just gave you are a good starting point. But there, there's lots of generic DeFi materials out there, not even Eo specific, just DeFi specific across all chains of how to conduct due diligence and what you should look for before putting your money in anything. Because you, you, there's always risk. It's it's never zero percent. It's just what is your risk appetite.
6: Yep, exactly. Sweet. Uh, I guess one more quick question. Uh, so, I, I guess ideally, too, the way that you may see this playing out is, so if you know, depending on every DeFi product, um, if you have a lockup for like a month, right, you'll be able to look at these uh, month to month and to see what the the yield was, and as long as it you know it's in the green, and that starts to build a good reputation um, within that DeFi protocol that you would be locking up tokens. Uh, am I kind of on the right train of thought in that that sense. Um,
5: I'm not
2: sure how to answer the question. I yeah. guess you could look at the charts on yield, on tokenyield.io. You could see whether the TVL is increasing or not. If it's continuously increasing, it's not a guarantee. It's like your best option, but you could at least see that more and more EOS and Tether are pouring into it. So you can make assumptions there, but... Like I said, it's it's really hard to... I, I hate having these conversations with people because I don't want to give financial advice, especially when it comes to DeFi. But every, like I said, everyone's due diligence and risk exposure is different. So it's really, really hard for me to tell you how to do something. I can just kind of give basic guidelines.
1: Yeah, I guess Yield Plus will be an ongoing topic as it unfolds over the next months. And I love the excitement here, but I'm a little bit like... Uh, awkward with two uh, two hours in the fire set, and I haven't gone ha- through half of my topics yet. So uh, I'm. I hope you guys uh, mercifully allow me to move on with the topics. Is this okay? Yeah. Or you-
2: one one last thing is that there's a Yield Plus Discord channel. It's under EOS Projects, right below uh, this voice chat. So uh, I encourage you to ask all of your questions there, and then we could kind of respond async. Um, in the text chat, and we'll also be opening up a, a Telegram channel here shortly too. But for right now, there's a Discord channel, uh, and it's right under the hackathon planning group, and you could probably see it over on ES Projects to your left. Awesome, right, we
6: sweet, sweet do. Thank you, and yeah, sorry, Martin. So Yield Plus. <laughs> no worries, I love it. Chat room, right?
1: Yeah, there will, be, there will be there will plenty of yield plus action going on in the, in moving forward. Uh, I just wanted uh, to remind everybody: if you know of a DeFi project that's not signed up yet, give them a heads up that this is a unique opportunity. Um, yeah, and Felix, if you think that that Eden is is like a candidate, you need to really like get developers that create some DeFi around the Eden funds. Um, anyway, uh, moving forward. Some of a somewhat uh, time sensitive topic. It's the last call for Pomelo donations. I think it's uh uh somewhat like I think fifteen hours left for you to make your donations. Um so if you haven't yet, go to Pomelo. There are some new filters for you to see which one which grants you haven't seen yet, which you haven't reviewed yet, and uh, which one you haven't donated yet so you can re your Uh, precious eos if it goes to a public good that's bringing forward the whole ecosystem uh those filters i think they are a direct uh, reaction to some of the suggestions suggestions that eve made uh earlier in i think two fireside chats ago uh where it was all about uh, like i can't see which i've seen before and which i've um uh, donated to. So uh, the settings for these filters, they stay on. So um, whatever you have seen, what, however you organized your, your grants, it will stay when you revisit from out uh, I think that there was a great suggestion and uh, made uh, the UX, the user experience, way easier for me. I love it. Um, but yeah, go back, donate. You have 15 hours left. Um, I have some stats from last week. I'm not sure if Daniel wants to give us the latest stats. I know we broke some records again in season three.
7: Yeah, happy to. So I posted at least as of how many minutes ago, a little recently. I'll, I'll reply to my comment in the chat if you want to follow along. Uh, here they are. Uh, I'll read them out for you here as well. Um, so we've got, at and again, just in the last hour, I posted at the beginning of the show, the latest stats, and then I posted them again, maybe 10 minutes or or so ago. Uh, We've got the number of approved grants hasn't changed. It's 172 approved grants, which is up from 140 approved grants from season two. So far, there's been $82,000 in donations raised from 6,132 unique contributions. Uh, So super, it's great, great results so far. Still 15 hours to go almost exactly actually exactly uh 15 hours left so yeah get your final donations in and uh, boost your trust bonus too the the more people we have boosting their trust bonus the more confident we can be in the uniqueness and you get that up to 50 percent bonus on your donation so uh even if you've you're done making your donations for the season you, you can still benefit from that 50% bonus by adding your trust bonus now. It will apply to all of your donations for the whole season.
1: Yes, folks, boost your trust bonus. Um, it shows that you're a unique person. And um, yeah, we heard a couple of of great pitches in the last uh, Pamelo Pitch Sessions on Twitter Spaces. Which I was uh hosting shortly before this fireside chat um and we heard uh, great pitches again go to the, the we recorded the spa- uh, spaces if you want to listen to the pitches um go for it um there we had uh Colin from uh liquid who's doing anchor for for unity three d we had um mo talking about um the uh illustration uh, eden illustrative reputation system. Um, they're doing great stuff with NFTs. Um, we had, who else? We had Taras uh, talking about um, the MSIC app, making it super easy uh, to create an, uh, M6 for people that not, not necessarily are uh, experts. And who else? Yeah, we had Rob doing like a Python library for um, EOS developers, EOS smart contracts. Or EOSIO actually, like Antelope moving forwards. Yeah, I think Rob dropped like the antelope uh, wording like four times in his pitch. So kudos to him. Um, yeah, it was a great pitch session and uh, looking forward to Season 4, but for now really boost your trust bonus and make the last donations. And give it a great finale uh, for Season 4. Can't wait for season uh, Season 3. Can't wait for Season 3. 4. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um... <laughs> Alright. Anybody else wants to talk about the pomelo? Anybody else um, wants to share their experiences? Otherwise we will move forward with the topics. Alright. So I guess it's a big thank you for everybody that donated so far. Uh, As Daniel just shared, we made some pretty awesome uh, stats so far. Um, We will go through uh, all the grants and do our due diligence and see if all of it uh, was uh, um, unique donors and uh, we'll have some stats, I guess, on the next Fireside Chat or the one following that. But uh, in the name of the whole Pomelo team, we want to thank the ENF and we want to thank um, the whole EOS community for participating. Into Pomelo crowdfunding, awesome! So one reoccurring grant um, on Pomelo that uh, made great progress in the last uh, year actually uh, was uh, gr- the Grayman's team, um, and they just recently updated, gave an update about their progress. I really like that they re- that they super regularly give their updates in a written form. To follow along, uh Aaron, if you're still around, uh, maybe you can summarize a little bit what your team achieved in the last month.
8: yeah, for sure uh We're trying to do these updates pretty regularly now. Um, it seems like monthly is going to be our cadence at this point, so they're not always going to be super exciting but i as a team that's been in the space kind of publicly funded for a really long time, even you know back just when it was block producer rewards um We have wanted to always kind of be transparent, and this is going to be a way that we can try to improve that. Um, So this month for our August update, uh, a lot of it is some housekeeping stuff. Um, Anchor releases uh, in desktop with bug fixes, same with Android, as well as kind of a notice of the upgrade that users are going through uh, in the Android version. Gotten some support tickets where people have reached out and they're like, what is going on here? Because the messaging wasn't super clear. Um, we'll work on cleaning that up, but we figured a public notice that says, yes, this is us migrating uh, your keys in Anchor to a better format. Um, we try to put that out in a public place such as this uh, these blog formats. So um, also an update in Unicove about the um, EARN interfaces that we're working on right now. I'm excited to see this Yield Plus stuff coming together because we may try to leverage and lead users into those types of applications um, as we need to push Unicove as kind of like a, an easy-to-use portal and a good way to get started and discover things within uh, the EOS ecosystem. So that'll be exciting. Um, and... We also have been publishing some new guides and uh, updating our support portal, trying to get to a point where users who are using Anchor and or Unicove really do have um, a place where they can reach out and ask questions. Uh, we used to do this on Telegram, and you've been around for a while. You know, our team has mostly moved all of our product support off Telegram. There were just too many people getting... Hit by scams and phishing attempts and things like that. So, finally, to what seems to be a good solution to that is we have a support portal with guides, we have an email address, um, and the apps now, both the mobile apps on iOS and Android, have a help button now that you can use to contact us directly. Um, and we typically can turn around and provide answers within 24 hours or so. Um, we're still growing all of that side of things. So it'll be interesting to see how that scales as Anchor continues to grow. Um, And then we closed it out talking about how we're growing the team uh, and shared a bingo board that uh, our designer ended up making over the last couple of weeks that we have been kind of playing with during our meetings. Uh, It's just a list of commonly uh, occurring events that happen during our meetings and seeing if anybody can get a bingo. Um, And then, I guess, just to follow on that, um, we just, within the last 15, 20 minutes, published a more in-depth blog post about what we're hiring for right now. Um, You can find it on our Medium blog, which is graymass.medium.com, or find us on Twitter. We tweeted about it as well, Um, and it will lead into that post where it describes uh, the three roles that we're looking for right now. Um, we have a lot of roles that we need to fill, but these we decided were the highest priority. Um, we're looking for a product manager or a project manager. There's a lot of names for this role. Um, an API developer to help us with our history solution and fuel. And we're also looking for a TypeScript developer that can help us with SDK development since we are planning on ramping up our efforts in the web client SDKs. So if you have those skills we're looking for people at the top end of those skill sets right now because we need people that can build uh, very unsupervised. Um, like, same goes for the product manager. Uh, we're looking for somebody who can potentially build a team of people that can help you know organize and manage projects. The API side it'll be fairly senior uh, GoLang development, and on the SDK side. Uh it's gonna require pretty deep knowledge of both EOSIO and how TypeScript works. So check those out. Um feel free to reach out. And uh yeah, I tried to keep it brief. I don't know if I was successful.
1: <laughs> pretty successful. <laughs> yeah, you uh again like reoccurring grand uh, anchor, gray mass um since three seasons always getting uh some some injection cash injection use injection from the community um uh, from pomelo uh and i love to hear that uh, how how you're thriving how your team is growing how you can look for more people to help you building uh, out the vision that you're having for easy onboarding for sdks for wallets for anchor uh it's great to hear. Um, and uh, yeah, everybody out there who hasn't donated to Anchor and Gray Mass yet, um, do so. These people do amazing work. Um,
8: yeah, it these systems that have been around for less than a year now have really helped us a lot. Um, this These blog posts are kind of evidence of that growth. Uh, for the past three years, it's been... Uh, us taking time off of development to write these kinds of things and coordinate this type of activity. But we're finally getting these systems in place as to where, I don't know, maybe we're almost like a real company. Um, And (laughs) we can actually output products and walk and chew gum at the same time, if you will. So a big thank you to the ENF, to the pomelo team, to uh, the coalition, to all of these parties, to Eden, um, all of these systems that are trying to enable creators in this space, uh, I think are all doing a great job and have been showing that there are successful cases where this is helping. Uh, I Not to dwell too much on the past, but there have been a lot of. Rough times in the past where it was hard to find support as somebody as a creator in the space, um, but it's very bright right now, and we're on a pretty good trajectory. So, shout outs to all of those teams that work on all of those things.
9: Happy for you, Aaron, and well deserved shout out.
1: Yes, like Aaron is a great example for for somebody that has been. Here from the start and has been building and now can really like, uh, pull, full through with, with all of his ideas and the whole team of Grandmas can do that. Another example that really since Pomelo came up and, and puts money into developers' hands, uh, is the Zeos project. I think they also been like uh, one of the early, early people who, uh, subscribed to in season one to Pomelo and got some funding there. They have since then coming back. All the time, and always been performing pretty well. And um, while there, most of the money went into development. Up until now, I see. Uh, well, I heard that they're now doing also getting ready for marketing and reaching out uh, publicly and building their community. They they got a website redesign, got a new blog, a new YouTube channel. There's a new uh, thread introducing Pomelo, a new article post um, on the new blog. Um, and uh, one person that was pretty um, involved in all this um, is uh, Dogman. Dogman, do you want to give a quick summary about like all the activity around Zos recently as another example of uh, how Pumelo can really enable developers to build out their vision with uh, ongoing funding? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thanks, pardon. Um, thanks for the opportunity and for
5: the introduction. And of course, thanks everybody for the fascinating, insightful conversation so far. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing, uh, uh, one, I've been researching Xeos quite a bit for Australia on the Hot Sauce this week. Uh, and then I'll, I've also been working with Matthias a lot closely, as well as Felix, to help promote Xeos and also to start up a ZEOS Fractal in the coming weeks. Uh, and ZEOS is doing a lot of really exciting things. It's been really cool getting to know uh, Matthias, we encourage him to join, and I know he's super busy, so hopefully he can join soon, and obviously uh, Matthias and many other people in the community know uh, much more uh, than I do, so if I miss anything, then feel free to jump in and, and, and share, I suppose, uh, but I'll just provide like a brief summary, uh, so yeah,
7: no, Zeus has been doing
5: a lot of cool things for a while now with the help of Melo, and now it's cool to see is sharing more publicly, uh, so of course, well, it's been going on for like over a year now. I think it was originally the EOS airdrop. Of course, EOS. I think that uh, Martin introduced it. But just in case anybody isn't familiar, EOS basically enables private transactions on EOS for both Zeos token and any other token on EOS. So it enables like a fully private DeFi ecosystem. And there's also a lot more that Matthias has been uh, sharing with me. That sounds really great too. So he released a white paper a couple months ago, and that white paper talked about a EOS Dex, so people can privately trade. And the Z assets where uh, people can make like different kinds of leverage tokens and all sorts of different DeFi applications, but doing it with privacy, also easy account access where you don't need to make an EOS economic transaction. And as I mentioned, the ZEOS fractal seems like a really exciting way to decentralize the governance and also make it agile and also help promote the project, which seems especially important for ZEOS. Uh, so this week, I closed an interview with Matthias uh, and Felix, and we started up. The new zeos youtube channel and we had a great interview it was like 45 minutes long there was a lot of uh, great insights and it was also fun too we had a good time and then earlier that day we had kind of an interview in ama with matthias at the eden town hall uh that i also co-host with felix and talked a bit about just generally zeos and then we talked about especially the importance of decentralization for fractal governance and zeos fractal and uh, Matthias has also been helping with the Eden Fractal and participating in Fractally, and Matthias has talked about how that's really important for a privacy application because there's recent things like with Tornado Cash where governments are, some governments aren't liking privacy. Uh, and then there's also an upcoming interview with Patrick from Nova Crypto with Matthias I've heard is very good and that, yeah, he's been putting out a lot of great tweets, amplifying with the swarms, uh, and the, the tweets do a great job of like breaking down all the different aspects or many different aspects of ZEOS as well as a new blog posts on the new medium, Uh, and then, uh, yeah, he's also got a uh, Pomelo pitch for Web3 is kind of aiming to kind of revive the DAP network and make it so that uh, not just the application and, like, the protocol is decentralized, but also, like, the full stack, so, like, the front end and so forth with liquid storage from the DAP network for decentralized storage and immortal apps and EOS DNS and Web3 browser and stuff, Um, so... That's, I, I suppose, a high-level overview of it. You can learn more at Zios. One, And it's been uh, really cool getting to see all the great stuff that uh, Matthias is doing. It's been a pleasure working with him. So I'm really excited about the progress of Zeo so far, and I'm looking forward to working uh, with Matthias more. Also, one thing, as um, I right hear, too, because I've been promoting... Uh, Ah, Amatius' metal pitch, but I also just got the Eden creators' metal pitch uh, live and approved too. So I very much appreciate if people can support that. That's also helping with the ZEOS fractal and lots of cool things on EOS. But uh, yeah, that's a, kind of an overview, and, and I'd be happy to answer any questions that I'm able to. And I hope that made sense and was helpful.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thank you for the quick overview of like the activity that's going around EOS, uh, ZEOS. <laughs> Also EOS. Um, Thanks a lot, Doc, man. Uh, Any questions or anybody else got any topics? I think I'm pretty much through with my topics. There's nothing time sensitive and I want to be respectful of everybody else's time. Um, I can talk about other topics next week, uh, but I want to open the floor to anyone who wants to share any emotions or feelings or uh, other topics. The floor is open for another 15 minutes before I kind of close it down. Unless there's all craziness breaking loose again. I love how the antelope memes consistently pop up in the chat. (laughs) So great job there. Um, Yeah. Everybody who hasn't spoken yet or wants to continue speaking, your time is now. 15 minutes left.
4: I've got a question about the the other change that passed on the rebrand um what what does that actually mean did they did they just pass on contributing do they pass on I, I it's difficult for me to imagine that they're they're no longer going to draw on the com, common code uh so i'm curious to know uh, what that means and i've got uh, an, another question after that please
2: the code's open source so some of the non participating chains have already been um forking out and using some of the code um all not they they stopped showing up to the coalition meetings uh they declined to contribute financially and when i say financially i mean weighted by market cap and liquidity depth so the lower cap chains are all everyone's paying the same essentially in proportion to their market cap which is why eos uh has contributed the most um so that's all it really means is they're not going to be um like right now, the website just shows the four logos. For example, eventually it might expand to contributing and non-contributing members, just to highlight how many entities are using the code. But when, whenever we say that they didn't participate, it's more or less they. When it came time to pull together funds, because we had this this whole roadmap of twenty two high priority items, um, including like the IBC and the faster finality. Once it came time to put Money into the treasury, the shared treasury under a multi sig, uh, they backed out. And then shortly thereafter, um, they didn't show up to meetings anymore.
4: Okay. My second question is was there a discussion or, or a particular, a specific intention to eliminate not the, to, to, uh, not to recognize Dan Larimer as the creator of the code? I mean they were recognized Um,
2: so we're redoing the uh, Mandel upgrade guide and the Mandel feature guide for example and updating all the terminology and um, it came up just today of like what do we do about Mandel 3.0 because uh, Leap 3.1 exists now but Dan and Fractally essentially did Mandel 3.0 and they'll continue to get credit they're they're highlighted in the blog articles for the they were the initial engineering team that started what became antelope um and i don't think it's lost on anyone that dan created it i don't what do you mean like did you want us to like elevate them more or like talk about them more about in, in the like materials
4: well, he's he's not on the website or the press release, and he he did create the whole thing, and he's the reason why all of us are here. So,
2: like the engineers on—I don't know if they're still on this call—but if you go through the code repo, the the original one, EOSIO, and you look at who are the top contributors that built EOSIO, you will see Matt Witherspoon's name, in ENF engineer. You will see Areg. In ENF engineer. You'll see OCI developers. You'll, you'll see Phil Mesnier, who's on this call. That's who built EOSIO. Dan is the architect. And don't Dan, forget Bucky. <laughs> but, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Bucky. Vlad's probably on there somewhere. Um, probably a, a lot of other people. Yeah, Vlad and think. Lynn are
3: also. Yeah. have contributed in there. are now in ENF. Yep. So not
2: to take anything away from Dan. Dan's the architect. He kind of had the initial vision, but the people who actually built the e o s i o protocol now the antelope framework they're all with the n f they're all with o c i and they all got credit and they've been the ones building this for the last seven months and um like I said, Dan's focused on fractally and, and that's great because it's still based on similar technology um but it, they haven't been participating over the last six months, whereas everyone else has been showing up every week and, and doing the work. So it, it's not to take away from Dan, but Dan, this isn't Dan's baby anymore. It's kind of like Steam. Steam it like, and Hive. It's kind of like the Hive founder kind of got mad at Dan for trying to take credit because Hive has actually done a lot of work since forking away from Steam, and even before that, since Dan leaving Steam, like at a certain point, like your baby grows up and it becomes its own adult or, or teenager whatever metaphor you want to use. And it, it's kind of taken its own direction. So, And, and that's not to take away from Dan because Dan's innovating on, in his own way with governance and fractally and the database optimizations he's been blogging about. But when it comes to Antelope, like he, he got credit for Mandel three point and then the code was handed off to the ENF engineering team. And I, I see how much they work and have worked. Um in the code repo itself speaks to that. The the original one, the block one one. Um out of the top ten code contributors, I think seven of them are with OCI or the ENF.
4: My last question is uh Thank you for that, Zach. My last question is, uh, are the exchanges or the, or any of their uh, block producer-related entities participating in Yield Plus that you're aware of?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. Um, if they're following closely, yes. Um, but right now, as far as communications with the exchanges, it's it's like you got to be very limited in, in your scope of discussions because they they can't pay attention to everything and the focus is very much on the consensus upgrade because all nodes and that includes exchanges dapps api providers wallets everyone needs to update their code and that's really the sole focus of the conversations happening with exchanges right now to bring up other things like yield plus like if if they want to find it on their own that's great but we got to stay very focused on the consensus upgrade. Um, it's kind of like that's the priority and everything else is kind of secondary when it, when it comes to discussions with exchanges and okay. also the, uh, and also the, the node operators are a lot of times these exchange businesses that r- happen to run nodes and staking pools. They're usually very much different people and departments than the, um, uh, the other parts of the exchange business. It's very compartmentalized. So you see it like Binance, for example, you see Binance as a single entity because it's all Binance, it's all under the Binance umbrella. But within Binance, there's like 20 different teams and they'll do different things. So, right, in, and, and they all have different uh, points of contact, for example. And right now, the point of contact is, is like the node operators, which is potentially, and I don't, I'm not part of these conversations necessarily, but The node operators are very likely different people and different points of contact than um, because they're infrastructure providers. They have an expertise in infrastructure. Their expertise isn't necessarily yield generation or staking pools. So that might be another department of like profit generation or yield generation within their exchange itself. And right now we're we're focused on communicating with the infrastructure providers, the, the people who work with the infrastructure and are responsible for upgrading the software. But Yield Plus will be front and center. I mean, right now all eyes are on Antelope. CoinDesk um, mentioned Yield Plus in their article. Um, as the rewards program kicks off, it'll be a continuous messaging. So if they don't catch the news in CoinDesk, Cointelegraph, the block, and top tier medias, then I, I guess shame on them. You you can't you, you can lead a what is it? You lead a horse to water type. I, I forget the metaphor. But, yeah, there's only so much we could do. We're going to be very loud. Yield Plus, it's a very big initiative. And as as we work towards the the reward starting, and it'll be a continuous communications and marketing campaign. Once the rewards start, it doesn't end. Like, it's continuous communication. Right now, we only have eight protocols signed up. And out of those eight protocols, I, I don't have it in front of me, but probably only half of them meet the TVL requirements. So... We're going to continue the, the, the comms on this, and it'll be continuous. So even if uh, these entities aren't participating initially, they, they may participate in the future. But exchanges aren't really the target demographic. Which exchange do you know of that's ever built a DeFi protocol? Like even Binance, as popular as Binance Smart Chain is, Binance themselves aren't running any DeFi protocols on it. It's PancakeSwap. That, that's their big one and and many others. DeFi box is on BSC, but Binance themselves is the exchange. They don't run DeFi.
4: Thank you, Zach. I appreciate uh, your answer. Thank you very much.
1: All right. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Perry, for um, the question. Uh, I hope uh, everything is answered well. Any um, anybody else uh, i said like 15 minutes uh, i think there are a couple of events coming up uh where we can i mean where we where you can get like way more news and and join the community so in community events for example eve will tomorrow be on or tomorrow i mean like in a couple of hours 12 hours be on BTS labs which is more um i think asian community focused but as far as i know it's going to be in english and it's going to be Uh, on a panel discussion, I guess, uh, with um, people from Chile's Algorand, and Near Protocol. He's representing the EOS community. I will drop a link to this event shortly. It's going to be on um, YouTube. And uh, yeah, tomorrow don't forget to sign up for the Antelope Twitter spaces that's also there. So tomorrow will be another full day of EOS community events outing open. Anybody else wants to chime in? Otherwise, I'm going to close down this show. It's just been a hours.
6: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to add. Uh, go Eves. Go Zach. Go Ted. Go E&F team. You guys are freaking, you guys are killing it. And uh, yeah, just again, just much love and appreciation your guys' way. Uh, today has been an amazing day for all the work that you guys have done in this release has been uh, very uh, inspirational and yeah so just you guys are awesome just big shout out again
9: it's a yeah baby night a yeah baby day mm-hmm. for EOS and the world thank you mine this is a start of our future go EOS
1: go EOS <laughs> yes go EOS everybody I guess that's Marking the end of the show, everybody. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for being here on the Fireside Chat. Um, it was my first time hosting the Fireside Chat. I hope I did okay. Um, next that week, I might okay. a
9: step back. <laughs> Thanks so much. And, uh, yeah. Uh, it's the time welcome. to show the world the power of the antelope. 500 <laughs> milliseconds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Leap forward with antelope. I love the sketch phrase.
9: Dream antelope, drink antelope, and do all what you can.
4: Mm. All right. Yeah.
9: <laughs> How does an antelope go? <laughs> Get the music
6: yeah. go yes. <laughs> yes. Go yours.
9: Go yours.
1: Go antelope. Go ina. Go pomelo. Go eat the tractor. <laughs> the, the lion is hungry for antelope.
9: <laughs> the lions well, are never the, the sheep never read, doesn't. and the antelope challenging you.
1: The lions are not ready for the herd of antelopes. It's going
9: to hit us. <laughs> we hope you want to eat and eat an antelope.